0: Christians were supporting one another. They were caring for one another. They were loving one another. They were not going through their hardships one family at a time or one individual at a time. They were going through those hardships together
1: as the body of Christ because that's what we do. So Paul says, may we give thanks because your faith
0: is growing Abundantly, it is flourishing in fruitfulness. Secondly, he says that we're thankful to God because your love is growing. You have a growing love, a love that just continues to manifest itself. Let me read that. He says, we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because the
1: love of everyone of you for one another is increasing it's increasing i mean that
0: has to be a marker of a genuine christian that you love other believers you love one another i mean jesus repeated that over and over and over again that we are to have love for one another and uh, paul says i see this I see this in the faith you're living out. I see this in how you are caring for one another and helping one another along during this difficult time. The love that you have toward the saints, understand something. The love that they had was increasing and overflowing. We need to understand that's what it says, increasing. But that word... Doesn't really do the justice that it needs to do, that word increasing. Another word is abundant, and it's probably better, but can I use a different word? Overflowing.
1: Okay? That's what he's saying. Your love is growing to overflowing proportions. Um, If you earn more money,
0: then your need demands, you invest it. And what happens? It grows. What do you do with that overflow? You help others. Okay? You minister to others. You, 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 you invest in eternity through uh, investing in missionaries and pastors uh, worldwide. That's what he's saying about their love. It overflows. Y'all know something about love that overflows or anything
1: that overflows, okay? You know what happens? It gets on you. It gets on you. I mean, you know, anybody have a, have a grandkid or a child? Y'all know those little drink boxes? Y'all ever had one of those go off? Not just by itself, mind you. But your
0: grandchild takes and say, "Look at my box. Look at my drink. I've got this," and they're telling you what it is, and they give it a squeeze. They don't do it intentionally, but I want you to know that box will overflow. Right on you, all right. I was holding my great nephew yesterday. He was overflowing too. He kind of went, Oop, and it, there it is, right there on my arm. You know, he's overflowing.
1: Overflowing love, it gets on you. And as you walk in a love that is overflowing among
0: the people of God, they'll notice, they see it, they sense
1: it, they realize that the love you have in you is real and it's genuine. And he's saying, man, this love is real. Something we need to know about
0: uh, this love, though, is there's love of love one another. Who is that? Is that love everybody? Well, certainly we're supposed to love our neighbor, but this is specific. Love one another. We're even instructed to love one another, especially those who are in the household of faith.
1: We're supposed to care for them and do for them. Distinctively different than we do for the world. You say, well, that doesn't sound right. The Word of God says it over and over
0: again, that our love is to be distinct. Why is that? I think one of the reasons goes over to where I was talking about how the idle Christians, they were being idle, and he had told them, warned them, don't do this. And now in the second letter, they're still doing it, so he says something, keep away from them. If there's not a distinctive love with believers
1: and unbelievers that keep away from them, treat them like an unbeliever. Okay? There's a distinction there. I still love them, but I'm not going to walk with them. I'm not going to be beside them. I'm going to encourage them toward repentance. And so, he said, you have great love for one another. It's a love that stands out. We love those who don't believe. We stand for those who are oppressed. We try to help feed the poor.
0: But there's a distinctive love among believers to where we're going to walk together in a a, uh, radically different way than we walk with those who are in the world. So he says their love is increasing and it's overflowing. And this is a common theme in Scripture. Uh, in Ephesians 1, 15 through 16, Paul writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Did you hear that? Uh, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. That faith and love, they're, they're intermingled together. All right? Genuine faith genuinely loves believers. In uh, Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes again, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So we see them tied together. And Paul says, I see your faith. I see that it's a working faith, that you're walking together in love with one another. And so he sees this this great love and this great faith that they have for one another and he gives thanks
1: to God. The third thing that he points out that he is grateful for is their great hope. Their great
0: hope. In verse 4 he says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is kind of a repeat of, of chapter 1 in verse Thessalonians uh, a little bit, but Paul says we're continuing to do that. We're still boasting about your faith to all the churches that, in Macedonia. Wherever we are, we are letting them know this church, these believers are faithful. They are faithful. And they are enduring great hardship. uh, Hope caused them to be steadfast and faithful in the midst of persecution and affliction. They endured. You know, hope is not inherent in itself. And what I mean by that is that hope has something propping it
1: up. Hope has something that acts as a pillar so that you can
0: not only believe that it will stand, but you can live as if it will stand. I suspect none of you are going to go home, unlock the door of your house,
1: open it, and look up at the ceiling and wonder, is that thing going to fall? You know, we don't do that. Now,
0: there's a church in Ethiopia, in Petra that you, you kind of have that feeling when you go to walk
1: in that thing, all right? It it, it, it leans with the hill, but it leans nonetheless.
0: And you just kind of go in there and walk in. Fortunately, I was teaching somewhere else. They did the medical clinic in there. Nobody's going to go in and say, I hope the ceiling stands up. Do you know why? Because that ceiling has these joists over it. They're resting on these walls that are going down to the
1: foundation. That ceiling's not going anywhere. Now, if it does, now, it's not my fault, okay?
0: But I want you to know it's supported by something. There's a pillar. Do y'all know what the pillar of hope is? I know you might think, well, it's faith. No, it's God. God's the one holding up our hope. He's the one who gives us our hope. It's in Jesus Christ. He is the pillar that upholds. They're trusting in God. That's what he's recognizing here. We ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. And based on what Paul is saying and what he has said, I want you to know he's not saying, man, y'all have a tenacious will. No, he's saying y'all have an awesome God that you're hoping in. Their hope is in him. He is the pillar that upholds the hope that we have as believers. And we are able to look up with hope because God is faithful to keep all of his promises. And we can trust him. And Paul recognizes this in them. You're enduring this hardship because there's a hope that
1: is greater than the hardship, greater than the difficulties, greater than the struggles. And so he points to this great hope. And he says, man,
0: we're thankful to see the hope in you. And that hope is made evident in the endurance through hardship. Lastly, he points to their uh, guaranteed future as something he is grateful for. Listen to verse 5. I know we didn't read that. I'm sneaking it in. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. What is? What's evidence of the faithful or uh, the, the righteous judgment of God? The faith,
1: love, and hope that is enduring is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. There's two parts to that judgment. That you may be considered worthy
0: of the kingdom of God y'all hear that? Isn't that great? That you might be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Is that you? Is that how you're walking? Is that the faith that you hold? Is that the hope that
1: you have? This faith and love and hope that you are living out day by day. Okay? Every day. That is evidence of the righteous judgment of God
0: and one part of that judgment that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God those who have a genuine faith a genuine love and a genuine hope are considered
1: worthy of the kingdom of God so he's pointing to this and he's saying live this way. This is how we should live. I mean, here's God's
0: judgment. You guys, worthy of the kingdom of God. Here's the second part of the judgment. He says, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just. There's a, a, a judicial word there, a, a law term. Uh, just, it says, to repay with afflictions those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty
1: angels. <laughs> That's the second part of the judgment. Here's the positive part. You're worthy to go to the kingdom of God, not on
0: your own merit, but on the merit of Jesus Christ, who is changing you and transforming you by the Spirit of God. And here's the second part of the judgment. Those who are your adversaries, those who are causing you pain, those who are afflicting you and are persecuting you and are enemies of God, they will suffer the wrath of God. He gives a timetable on that. He says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And so we see here that he's speaking in ultimate terms, ultimately might not realize it in this life he's saying but ultimately god is going to exercise his judicial authority he's going to exercise it and bring the penalty to bear on those who afflict you and he's going to bring the glory to bear on those who walk with jesus christ and so he's he's letting them see this and telling them this you have a guaranteed future if you are in christ jesus that's good to know all right that's good to know anything it's good to know in the midst of a pandemic it's good to know when the doctor says you know what i don't have good news for you it's good to know
1: these truths and that that future is guaranteed absolute
0: For those who are in Christ, who live by a genuine faith, have a growing love, and are leaning into great hope
1: that comes from the living God. So Paul is saying, I give thanks, and I keep giving thanks. Because I see these evidences in you. You know, so often as a
0: pastor, I see the evidences in you too. Sometimes you think they go unseen, but they're there. I see them. Sometimes I say something to you, sometimes I don't. I ought to more often. But I see in individuals and together, I see the body of Christ loving one another, praying for one another, caring for one another, helping one another study the Word of God.
1: I see a longing to uh, walk more and to grow And for our love
0: and our faith to grow together and for one another. And I see
1: the great hope that you have in Jesus Christ and I notice it. Paul's saying these things, but just before he says them, he points to the real source of his gratitude. He says in verse 3, we ought to always give thanks to God for you. And in verse 1 and 2, he defines that God. To the church of of the Thessalonians
0: in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me point you to three elements three things, three realities
1: that are the sustaining power and purpose for gratitude. First of all, God, our Father. In the first letter, he was writing to the Thessalonians, in God, the Father. But here, in God, our Father.
0: Man, I love that that frame there i love the 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 frame that he creates right there of this family and this father our father it's how jesus taught the disciples how to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name here he is uh, pointing to god the father
1: he's saying all of this is happening Because of God.
0: It's not because you have a great will. It's because you have a great God. Who is Father. Who loves you like His children. Who nurtures you and cares for you. Who demonstrates His love in this way. That while we were still sinners, while we were completely helpless, Christ died for you for god so loved the world in this way god loved the world he sent his only son he loves you is what we see and not only does god the father love us but he watches over us and disciplines us and cares for us and he gives us all that we need for what life for godliness gives us everything that we need so the sustaining power and purpose for gratitude is that all that we have comes from our god but he also says this uh, to the church of the thessalonians in god our father and the lord jesus christ in the lord jesus christ Man, that's a position you want to be in. You want to be in the position of being in Jesus Christ. I love how Paul uh, tells us that we are seated with Him in heavenly places. That's our position. This is our position. We are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are seated with Him in the heavenly places. And then Paul starts saying, you know what? Our practice needs to catch up with our position. It's a position we can never lose. But our practice needs to continually be moving toward the position of being seated with Him. And He's saying, I see that's happening in you. I see the faith and the love and the hope all growing in you. The Christian life is not
1: stagnant. It is constantly flowing and moving and growing and bearing fruit. And so Paul is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. The one who gave his life for us. The one who lived perfectly.
0: Who is not only our God and our Savior and our King and our Lord. He's our example of how we live in this world in holiness and in godliness. It's because of Christ. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Man, I'm thankful for what He's done for me, but I'm thankful also for what He's doing in me.
1: Look out your own salvation in fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who is at work. To will and to work for His good pleasure. Don't you find it just awe-inspiring that God would take you sinner and he would redeem you and then work in you in such a way as to grow you up to look more and more like his son Jesus Christ it's mind-boggling sometimes and I wish I would capture it more but he says it's God our father and Jesus his son but I want you to see one more thing Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Grace and peace is our God's constant supply to us. It's His constant supply to us. You know, there's not a single day, if you think about this, there's not a single day, believer, as you live that God is not extending to you grace. There's not a moment, there's not a nanosecond that exists that God's
1: grace is not being supplied to you, believer. Not one. I mean, He is giving you life and breath.
0: Uh, He's giving giving you health and resources. He's giving you everything you need to live. And not only live, but to live well on this earth. Everything that
1: we have. It doesn't matter what Everything is from Him. His grace is constantly pouring out. A gift to you. And peace? Peace that flows.
0: Well, I don't know. There's some times when I'm not real peaceful. There's some times when I'm really anxious. There's some times the peace is there that you can lean on and trust the living God in. It's like that, that song. I, yeah, I love the song when peace like a river
1: tendeth my way. When yeah, I, it's gone now. My brain is just about completely scrambled at this point in my sermon sorrows like sea billows roll yeah i'm gonna get all the verses mixed up
0: but i sing that song i've known that song since i was this high folks i've been in a baptist church i was on cradle roll all right i mean that's how long i've been in the baptist church some of y'all are going on oh, cradle roll don't worry about it uh but i mean uh, my mama brought me and said here nursery worker she needed a break okay and she put me in there and i was on the roll i was there i've always been in there man i grew up singing this little lot of mine and children's choir and I grew up singing uh, all sorts of songs Jesus loves me and you, you know all these songs that the, the one we sang this morning what was the name of that song uh, this is my father's world that was one of them you know we we sang that song man I was baptist man I've been baptist my whole life southern baptist at that okay now not just baptist but southern baptist all right I've been to all these things I sang that song But one day I was in a coliseum with a bunch of men and we sang that song. And just before we sang it, this guy told the story to that song
1: and I thought, you got to be kidding me. Hey, Captain, you mind slowing down? My four daughters died right here, sank and perished in the sea. Can we pause here just a few minutes? Let me write this song. In peace like a river. Folks, let me tell you something. God's supply of peace is constant. Or oh, we would all lose our minds. It's always there. It's always poured out to us. We ought to always give thanks to God. Not just because we see God working in one another. But because God is causing it to happen in each one of us. Stirring our appetites for His holiness. And His word. And prayer. And fellowship with one another. He stirs that. Oh, give thanks to God. For he is indeed good. And his blessings never cease. Be encouraged when others see Jesus working in you. Because he is. And I know. Let's pray. Father, we want